Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We have a guest speaker with us, and we hope that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Hey, this morning uh, we have uh, some special guests with us. We have Ron and Suzanne Cox. And when I uh, read the scripture that talks about the, the trial of your faith is more precious than gold, I think of Ron while he was building the largest Assemblies of God church in the state of Alabama, he had some real difficulties on his personal life and in his personal side, and he'll share some of of that this morning. He's also, his wife is with us, and Suzanne's testimony is just as powerful, started in a life of addiction, cocaine, substance abuse, and through a wonderful transformation of the power of God, she finds herself as a missionary in India, working with uh, at-risk girls in Project Rescue. And God has brought them together. And this couple travels the country and shares about God's grace and his story of redemption. At the end of the service, we're going to take an offering for their ministry. And, man, you can go any of the drop-downs that say guest missionary, guest speakers. You can give that way. You can give it in the drop box, however you want to do that. But just, just keep that in mind as they are ministering this morning. But would you welcome to Generations Church, Ron Cox, Suzanne Cox. We're so glad to have you guys this morning. Let's go. Amen. Pastor, do I need to help you, you down? So you, you, you're doing better, right? I'm doing I'll good. help you down the steps. No, I'm good. Oh, <laughs> bless his heart. Yes, God bless Cut him. his hand out of Texas Roadhouse. <laughs> we were in earthquakes and killed snakes and everything. <laughs> yeah, right. So missions is so fun. Um, but anyway, we're so blessed to be here, and I'm just going to give you a brief description of some fun things that we have on our table out there. I, um, and it was great to see um, Brother Harry and Martha Cobb and, and your pastors have just treated us like kings and queens. <laughs> yeah, and, and so we have just really had a wonderful time. And thank you so much, Pastors Brian and Becky. And um, there you are. Yeah. And uh, we just love you guys. And uh, we tried to come several times, but um, inclement weather and craziness kept us from coming this is our third try, and we said, we're getting ahead of that storm, and we're coming a day early. So we did, and here we are. Praise the Lord. So, because we're from Alabama, y'all know where Alabama is, don't you? <laughs> uh, so let me just tell you about some things. Everything on the table back there goes to Project Rescue to rescue the girls from the brothels um, of sex trafficking. And uh, this is training for raining. How many of you know we're living in the last days and the life that we live here, we are training to rule and reign with um, our Lord and Savior and Jesus Christ. And so this is signs of the times, knowing the plan of God, praying out the plan of God. I love that y'all come in and pray every week. Pray out the plans and purposes of God for your church and for your city and for your nation. Um, and walking... Walking in love. 
Somebody did not want me to say that. Okay, um, this is the testimony DVD of the story of my life, and then in his life, you know, he comes up at the end of it and tells a miracle story. But um, uh, so this is my story, and I'm sticking to it. And this is the story that's been written, um, a book on the story of Ron's life, and I, I got to come in on the tail end of it, huh? And so this is Call It Incredible, Pastor Mark Sims who was Ron's associate for 30 years, wrote a book on the story of his life. <clears throat> and it is incredible. And um, Ron pastored Kingwood Church for 35 years, took care of an invalid wife for 24 and a half of those years, and um, grew the church, just really had such a wonderful life and ministry. And people say, how did you grow the church? He said, well, <laughs> I decided to be faithful, and God made me fruitful. And so this is the story of our life, and uh, everything goes to missions, so that's the deal. <laughs> yeah, so there's plenty of other things back. There's one on healing. It is God's will for us to be healed. Um, there's one on discovering your divine destiny. There's one on spirit-led living. How many of you know there's a lot of voices clamoring for your attention out in the world today? We better know the voice of our shepherd. He sang about the shepherd this morning, and the worship was incredible. So um, thank you so much. Okay, honey, preach. Thank you, baby. I, <laughs> I'm, you don't need this. Yeah, I don't need to one. preach. No, in, you don't need a uh, Stereo. Okay. I just one mic's all I need. You are a scholar and a gentleman. You know, I understand when a, a guest speaker comes, Really, there's probably more disappointment than there is expectation because people come to hear their pastor. But once in a while, you just you need to hear somebody else so you can appreciate him when he does come to preach. I'm not a very good preacher, but I am incredibly fun to watch. So, so I'm going to preach the day of life. If life were an audio recording, how would it sound? Some of you looking at me like I'm a man from Mars. Here's, how many have ever ridden a roller coaster? Let me see your hand. Roller coaster riders? Okay, here's the first sound. You ready? <clears throat> click, 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 click. Which way are you going when life is clicking? up. These are brilliant people. <laughs> Once you get to the top, which way are you going? I hate it when life does that. The second sound is, ah! <clears throat> I know some of you are filled. If you listen to a preacher that says, if you'll follow God, life will be all honey, no bees, no work, and all ease. Hold on to your billfold, okay? Because they're not telling you the truth. This ain't home yet. How many know this ain't all it yet? So life is click, click, ah, click, click, ah. But how many know if it wasn't for both of those sounds, a roller coaster would not be fun at all. Neither would life. You would not even... Make it through life without both. I, I am. I, I showed them. I don't know why I brought this up here. Uh, we do marriage conferences, and of course, our marriage conferences are a little bit different than most. Um, 
Here's a book written by a guy, my friend, uh, Dr. Leo Gottage. Uh, it says, everything men really know about women. Wouldn't you like that? I mean, golly. Let me show you, just to let you know. <laughs> One more. Yeah. That's how much you know. So there's my marriage conference, and I'm done with that one. <laughs> I sense God's presence today. I really do. I'm a pastor. I'm not an evangelist. I am a, a, long, a revivalist. I long to see God touch his church to meet the conditions of the day in which we live. Every one of us today, I don't care who you are, how long you've been in this church, how close to God you may feel, every one of us have three things in common. Number one, every person here has a need, right? Now here's the second thing that everybody has that we don't like to admit very much, but all of us have a hidden pain. You can put on that holy look, and I've seen it a lot of times in 54 years. You know what a holy look looks like? It looks like you're suffering somewhere between acid indigestion and a migraine headache. The third thing is, all of us have a potential in God that we have not even come close to reaching yet. That's what every person here has in common. You're more alike than you think you are. Listen, there's not a person here, not a man here, happy Father's Day, not a man here as free as Jesus died to make you. If you think you are as free as you will ever be, then you're as free as you will ever be. Listen to me. We must give God not only our external abilities, I, uh, life, I want you to give God your external talents and abilities. Uh, go, serve, serve, I'm for all of that. I want you to give God your external abilities. But we also need to give Him our internal attitudes. You can't give one without the other. And so we're going to look at some things today. I'm going to just kind of warm you up a little bit. Life is lived in admixture. It's lived with gains and it's lived with losses. It's lived with benefits. It's lived with joys. It's lived with tears and smiles. Somebody asked me, I've lived my life. And by the way, I'm not playing a violin as though I've got more problems and I... Your problem is your problem. How many know just because somebody else is going through something and you are at the same time doesn't necessarily remove your pain from you? And so we go through life, seasons of sufferings and times of waiting, and you say, when are you coming through, God, like a sermon? I've had many people, when I finish preaching, they'd be hammering on their watch. For <laughs> I guess I need to quit. Seasons of suffering, tears and smiles, clarity and yet uncertainty. A path filled with 
faith, but also twists and turns that you wonder what is happening. Let me give you something. Uh, when we embrace, I'm not saying accept, but embrace the pains and provisions. I love that song that they sang earlier, and I'm going to ask them to sing it at the end when God touches the hearts of men here today. When we embrace the pains and the provisions of the death of Jesus, we will experience the power of his resurrection purposes. Oftentimes my tears have driven me from myself into his arms where I have otherwise never been at that time. I've written my own story of my life and a lot of a lot of ministry today is in self-helps. Dream your dream. You can have what you want. You can believe God. God cares. He, he, and he does. He cares all about that. That's not wrong. But that's self-help can only take you as far as you can go. It can improve you as far as you can be. How many know our nation needs something more in you than just what you can do or be? Christ in me, the hope of all glory. Oftentimes, my tears have driven me into his arms. I told somebody, I don't even tweet. I'm not in that generation. I refuse to go there. Often, oftentimes, here's what we've done. We've lowered our expectations to protect our disappointments. We sit in church and say, today's going to be another. We can, church has operated good and well and should be. I don't believe in sloppy agape. I believe church ought to be operated right. But there's also something else sometimes that wants to invade our lives, that wants to mess us up first in order to make us right. And sometimes we've lowered our expectations to protect our disappointments. We, uh, God is a great compensator, I found out in life. God doesn't always give you back the things that you lost. But I'll tell you what he'll do. He'll compensate. He'll give you something you could have never gotten had you not lost what you lost. How many have ever had that happen in your life? And that's the truth. So I want to talk to you today. We're going to go right in and, and talk. Uh, we, we look at our nation today and we realize that the enemy has gone a little bit too far. Do you agree with me? He's claiming territory today at a rapid pace. He's claiming territory that he has no authority to possess. There's an accelerated I'm not saying there hadn't been sin forever, but there's an accelerated acceptance and, and an erosion of morality, a gender confusion, an utter disregard for the sanctity of human life at levels that I've never seen before. The rise of secularism and pluralism and, and, and cultural divide. God is calling us right now. Listen to this old preacher man. He's calling you to a greater intimacy with him to match what is ahead. 
Sometimes we all talk about what we think is ahead, but I wonder if we're prepared for what is ahead. It's one thing to talk about it if it's not here yet. Now listen, Barna said, and I'm not trying to kick the brains out of the church, but recently Barna, he said, of all the Christian adult church-going saints of God, he said, one out of ten, only four, excuse me, four out of ten have any regular prayer time with God. Four out of ten. They'll come to God in prayer when they're going through something, but a regular prayer time is not needed in this day. Another thing he said, and this got me, one out of ten, one out of ten, spend any real, regular, I'm talking about Christians, real, regular time in the Word of God. Prayer and the Word of God is not the most important thing in this church or my church or whoever's church. We're not prepared if, we're not, if we don't see that. So today, we must be intentional about eliminating the unnecessary clutter that this world is trying to put on us and in our mind. How many know during COVID in the last year and a half, it's been a messy time? How many, it, you, you, it's put a battle inside of your emotions? Listen to me. We need to find some quiet time beside the heart of still waters, actively pursuing and protecting God, protecting our own lives in the presence of God. We call ourselves following Jesus, but in reality, sometimes I think we're inviting him to follow us. We form the plan and we ask him to bless it. What if we shifted and said, Lord, like that song said, it should have been me. It should have been me. He died, but it should have been me. Listen to me. We, we want joy, but we want it without any sacrifice. We want character, but we want it without suffering. We want success, but we want success without failure. We want gain, but we want gain without any pain. We want a testimony without a real test. We want a manner revival. That's what we want. Just let it drop in my lap where I don't have to do anything but collect it off of my lap. Isaiah 58 says, seek me daily, delight to know my ways, call and I will answer, cry for help and I will say, if you cry for help, he said, I will say, here, I'm, here I am, it's not that hard, it's not that hard on the inside of our lives, seek me, you seek me and pray, so pray and seeking him are two different things. Seek is an imperative verb that means effort, urgency. Is there any urgency going on spiritually inside of you? Or you? We can do church today with our eyes closed and our spirits shut off. We know how to do church. Listen, did you know that the maps, we don't use Google or whatever uh, maps, that you that years ago the highways were called something else back in the early days before there were roads and highways. You know what they were called? Desire lanes. 
desire lanes, places that you desired to go where nothing could keep you from going. I'm afraid today in a lot of ways in much of the church. Where does, first of all, where does your desire lanes lead? The things that you really desire more than anything in life. Where, where do they go? Where do they lead you? The desire lanes. Sometimes we've allowed them to, to overgrow with weeds and underbrush and neglect. And I believe it's time to get out the machete of God's power and clear the desire lanes back to Him in ways that we never have before. I want to tell you, Grandma said one picture is worth a what? We're all kin, folks. We have the same grandma. <laughs> the Bible said of, of uh, Israel when she was far from God, he said, you're like a wild bull in a net. A wild bull. Potential, power. Go where it wants to. Make its own path. A wild bull in a net. Why didn't he say a wild bull behind a concrete wall or a, an iron fence? Why a flimsy net? A wild bull caught in a net? You know, that's the way the enemy operates. He doesn't snare you all of a sudden by throwing a net over you. You push here, and it tightens up over here. You push here, and pretty soon that wild, I was in Africa, and we had to take guards to go back to the room because of the Cape Buffalo, and they were scary. What does he do? How does the enemy get us where we are? What he does is this. He doesn't throw the whole net over you. He takes justifiable little strands. Here's unforgiveness. Well, nobody's perfect. I could preach or listen. That thing is not going to control me. I could snap that in a minute. That ain't no big deal. So we leave it there. Then anger comes. We occupy our mind with a lust. And then it turns into the marriage gets in trouble. Let me tell you what the enemy's good at. He's good at getting you comfortable with something you know you need to get right with God. And then he allows other things to be connected. Satan is good at tying knots. He ties one sin to the other. And before long, it becomes a net that's thrown over us. Now that's just my little warm-up. Let me get into my message. I'm just looking at you and seeing where you are. Let me get those nets off of me, those strands. Free me, Jesus. If we don't have this inner longing, I'm going to, in fact, here's the title of my message today. Uh, see, they're going to put it on the screen. Going the distance for real freedom. Distance. Where am I talking about? Not just physical, external, but I'm talking about internally. 
Some of you know exactly how you're going to respond in this service. Why don't you let God check off at the line and speak to you in a new and a fresh way? Right now, honey, inside of my life, and you know this is my wife, I've been pastoring for 50, that doesn't mean nothing. I know preachers that's pastored years and they're bitter old souls. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm hungrier right now for God than I've ever been in my life. I'm not saying I've got the answers. You know what spiritual maturity is? Let me give you an answer what spiritual maturity is. Spiritual maturity is not realizing how much you know. It's realizing how little you know. That's what spiritual maturity is. Now listen to me. I don't want to end my life with echoes of what should have been, could have been, might have been, ought have been, would have been. I want to seize God, never seeming to experience a real desperate need. In fact, let, let me tell you something, a little bit about my life. I told you I was. I don't think you can go down there, can you? I'll be missing the stuff. I see y'all, but not really. I feel like I feel like Saul on the road to Damascus. <laughs> yes, Lord, I'll follow you. I guess you're out there. Whew. So I was raised at a very early age. How many so far you and I are alike? You was raised at you was born at a very early age. How many was? Let me guess. Okay. My dad, my dad, it was Father's Day. He was a World War I veteran. Yes, I can see. <laughs> my dad was a World War I veteran. He married my mom. His first wife passed away, and he married her later on in life. And my mother was up in age, uh, and he married her. He was older than her, and they'd made, they wasted no time. They had five children in, in about nine years. That one, one was a set of twins. And my dad fought the ravages of war in World War I. And he couldn't handle it when he got home. And so they were called back in those days uh, shell-shocked. He lost his mind. He became dangerous to himself as well as to the family. And he had to be put away into a mental ward for the rest of his life. My mother, to add insult to injury, she had four children and she was pregnant with another. And he was gone. They did not have the kinds of assistance. So that quickly they were placed upon a welfare role that was, I'll, I'll never forget as children, when the welfare worker would come by, we'd run and get up underneath the bed because we didn't want them to take us away. So, my mom in Indianapolis in the inner city is where we were raised in a little, little inner city bungalow, a little row house. And to add insult to injury, dad was gone. Mom had four children pregnant with the fifth. She had contracted the worst disease of that day called tuberculosis. There was no cure. They told my mom, you're going to take your children away to foster cares, and there would have been no more family. I had an aunt. Her name was Teresa. Teresa, oh, 
Teresa had one of those little Holy Ghost buns back there on the back of her head. Kind of looked like a 57 Chevrolet hubcap right back there. And Teresa believed in anointed handkerchiefs. Now, she thought if a little oil would work, pour the whole bottle, and it will really work. And so my mother wasn't a Christian. She was angry and didn't know anything about anything. But Therese came down with tears in her eyes and this dripping hanky and said, Hannah, I know you love your kids. I believe God spoke to me that if you will wear this hanky on your face the night, drape it over your face. I imagine it's pretty tough with all the oil going in the ears and stuff. But she was desperate. So she did it. She went the distance. She put, put it on her face. And she said, when you get up, when they come to take your children tomorrow, demand one more TB test at the sanatorium. And so my mother said, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. How many know you don't have to figure out everything for God to touch you? He will touch you where you are. So she wore that night. That next day, she got up and her face was not swollen. They came to take the children. And her and the baby that was in her, of course, had tuberculosis. And they, were to take, and they took them to the sanatorium to do one more test. When they got you, Dory figured it out. When they got to the sanatorium, they checked her and checked her and checked her. And during the night, King Jesus came and healed her. The reason I believe in healing is I was that baby inside of her that was healed before I was born. My dad was gone. This is the only thing, the only, my brothers, I don't even know if they've even seen this picture. This is Father's Day. My mom gave this to me years ago as a little boy named Ronnie. I would stare at that picture. There he is on that side. And I would take that picture and cry. And When Father's Day came around, I didn't know what Father's Day was. So I would just hug the picture. I didn't know what a father was. And so I decided to go the distance. I didn't know where my father was. It had been years. I was already in ministry, 23 years old, starting my first little country church. I said, I've got to find God. Help me find my dad. Help me find my dad. I found him through a miracle. I won't get into that because i got a, still got a little message to preach. I'm just messing with you. So, I, uh, I found that he was in Wabash, Indiana. Wabash. He had gotten out of the sanatorium, and they put him in a little uh, home, a big a white house with a wraparound porch, and I remember. And I asked my mom. She never got married. He was very violent to her. A lot of anger and stuff had settled up. My mother never married. I said, Mom, you want to go to Wabash, Indiana with me to see Dad? See, Dad, she said, I'll go with you. I was kind of shocked. So she went with me. Can I show you? This is the first I've never even told this story anywhere. I don't, but this is Dad's day, and I want to tell you this, and I'm going to get down to the business. I want to show you the picture that I snapped. It's kind of dull. 
it's kind of, I saw a World War cannon there. And my dad, I said, Mom, would you mind taking a picture with Dad? She said, no, I'll take a picture with him. So there it is. That's the only time my mom saw my dad after they, if you'll notice, he didn't lose everything. He took his arm and moved it around on her shoulder, and she didn't move it. I thought, oh, my God. I went back to my little country church where the dogs would fight underneath. It was a little white church, and the men would bring their hunting dogs, and the dogs would fight while I preached. And it's in a little slap, slap pews. And uh, I wanted to bring my dad down for a little while with me. And I asked them, could I maybe keep my dad a, a week or a month, maybe? I'd just like to just keep him at my house for a month. They said, sure, you can take him. So I, uh, I got the privilege to have my dad sit on the front he couldn't talk anymore. A little guy, and he sat on the front row, and I remember I would preach, and it was like diamonds. I would watch tears come down my dad's cheeks, and I'd say, wow, I think you're getting through all the, his imperatives, and somehow you're speaking to him. I'm going to tell you, I could not have ever made it if it were not for spiritual fathers who came into my life. I thought for years there in that town that uh, as a Boy Scout that camp was free. I didn't know the Boy Scout leader was paying my way every time. I, I got saved at a church, Pastor Vibbert in Indianapolis, Indiana. And I'll never forget, after I got saved, he looked at me and he said, you know who you are to me? You're my young Timothy. And I thought, what is that? I want to be your spiritual father. My dad had already died. Spiritual father. The church so desperately needs spiritual fathers for little Ronnies like me. I said, okay. God called me to preach. I, I thought he was so cool. He was about my size. And he had this suit, man. It, it was just a cool suit. And I thought, man, I love that suit you wear. One day I'm going to preach like my pastor. I was going off to Southeastern. And they took me, took me over to his home. And I looked at a home that was in order. Home that had like real furniture and stuff. And I thought, oh, my goodness, what is this? People live like this? I was a little kid that begged on the streets for something to eat. And the pastor said, I got a gift for you. He said, I'm, and he brought out that suit that he had preached in. And he said to me, I want you, is that, is that mean I'm done? <laughs> you have to help me, young preacher. You guys got stuff going on I don't know today. I don't want to. I hope it's not the trump of God. We've all been left. <laughs> he gave me a suit, and I never preached a sermon in my life until my tryout sermon.
and I wore my pastor's suit, my spiritual father. And I believe it was the suit that they voted me in 100%. <laughs> and I started my ministry. I can't go any farther with that stuff. I, I just need to come back and talk to you later. So I want you to look at this, the mountain, the picture of the mountain right here. Sometimes, isn't that beautiful? Sometimes, do you ever feel inside of your life as a Christian like, like somebody at the base of a mountain? Up there is not for me. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I've done even Saturday night. I don't know what it would feel like. The mountain's gone. <laughs> we said we can have faith to move mountains, right? You stare straight up. You cry out, will I ever experience? I, I love to go to church. I want to punch my spiritual time clock. But when I go home, life is different when I leave church. Come on, let's be real with one another. I long to be at the top of the peak of that mountain. I cry out, will I ever experience the breezes of its summits? Will I ever be able to View the vista of a panoramic view of a top of the mountain. Listen, we feel that way. A, a big gap between what we believe and how we live. A difference between what we profess and sometimes what we possess. I'm not saying the church, I'm just saying on the inside. God's got far more for you than you've even known yet. God's about to touch His church. We're about to open up our lives to a new level of God that we have not yet experienced before. He's calling us into a future that is bigger than us, that is more complicated than us. Before God can do anything through you and around you, He must first of all do it within you. Now listen. Craig Groeschel, for the young preachers, Craig Rochelle is the pastor of the largest multi-campus church in America. I think he runs 42 billion people in church. He's in five or six states. Here's what he just recently said. I told the pastor. He said the contemporary, listen, has now become the traditional. I think we've made, and we should have, externally, all the stuff, my church at home, man, they got stuff. They got stuff everywhere, and I'm for it. Now, listen, I was a contemporary preacher. We had a master's commission. We got 60-foot ceilings and master's commission. Mark, he let them drop out of the ceilings on ropes with torches in their hands. I said, Mark, leave the fire out, man. That's a little bit much. He said contemporary, which has been going on about 30 years to redo the church the way it should be. He said, now this generation, Craig Rochelle said this recently, is longing for the experiential. He's not going to come up with a technique for that. I'd like to talk to him. The Bible is filled with stories of people who refused to stay where they were. I'm one of them. I'm not going to stay where I am. 
I'm not. But they decided whatever distance in my mind, my spirit, my heart, the circumstances, my little wife, I, I fed her. My first wife, I fed her, took care of her, rolled her up in a wheelchair at the front of my church. Every week, she was in her, in her 20s. She was in a nursing home before she was 40. You're not supposed to be in a nursing home at 40. Recently, and i, I got to tell you this, my beautiful daughter, you went to school with my Tiffany pastor. My Tiffany's in heaven. She can raise the roof off of this church. She's in heaven. I had two girls just before I came here. My little daughter had that same hideous disease called Huntington's disease. It's a neurological disease that is nasty. My daughter Stacy this past week. Jay, the pastor of the church now, after I left for 35 years, he's now there. He's been there 11 years. He now put my other daughter in the same nursing home. You went with me. I know you was concerned about me. That I'm, You mean I'm going to walk those hallways of a nursing home, smell the smells, hear the groans? While that was going on, God was building, building a church for his glory. People said, tell me your strategy. I said, I had no strategy. I just clung to Jesus when life gave me a blank space and I ran out of ink. I laid my pen down. God dipped his pen in the inkwell of his blood and he wrote in my blank spaces. God's done more for me in the blank. If that's not good enough, that's all I got. Jesus is faithful. He'll carry you through. So I just put this week, my daughter, I only have two, put her in the nursing facility. And she'll crawl over to a computer and write. I don't know how she even does it to other people. God is good. God is faithful. You can be an overcomer. How can she do that? We're not serving a myth or a daydream. God is real. Folks, did you hear me? He's real. The Bible is filled with story. Pastor, where in the world's a clock? It's terrible for you to do that. It's filled with stories of people who refused to stay where they were. Could we have a story today like that? They decided to go the distance. They loved God, but they felt where they were. The woman with the issue of blood, you remember that? She crawled on the ground, broke through the crowd to touch the hem of his garment because she didn't want to stay where she was. Peter heard that boat talk all of his life, and he saw somebody coming on the water. He said, if I drown, I'm going out of this boat. I'm tired of boat talk. I'm going to go to Jesus. And he got out of the boat. He was about to sink. There's risk involved in it. But God will pick you up if you're heading toward him. The Syrophoenician woman was willing to break men's religious laws to be seen as a dog eating crumbs from the master's table. 
to appeal to Jesus to heal her demon-possessed son. You wonder what this is about. This is the greatest gift after 35 years of ministry that was ever been given to me. It's, a, it's called Transformer, a little hat. You wore them with your grandkids. Look stupid, and you took this and like you're a little lizard or something. <laughs> Let me tell you what that was. A broken preacher stepped into my church. There's a lot of broken preachers. I love preachers. They stepped into the church. They want realness. This preacher came up and shared with me, my son, my son is so far from God. My son has his own private witch. He's in a Wiccan. He lives with this woman. They had a child, and he dedicated that baby to the devil. And he said, Preacher, every day of my life, it tortures me. One day, I got up in a pulpit. I didn't have him in mind, but I simply said, I got off script as I do often. I said, the prod- somebody's prodigal son is coming home. Keep the robe in your hand. Get ready for a party. This pastor, on the day that I was leaving, they had a car out. In the, oh, boy. They treated me like royalty. And I thought, man, why didn't you treat me this like this all 35 years? Why now? Here comes this preacher and his wife and a son with hats on going. And the deacons thought, oh, Pastor, we need to go. I said, well, no, this is interesting. Sounds kind of like me. I'm going to hear about it. He said, Pastor, you told about a prodigal's coming home. He said, my son, this is him. Well, after you said that, my son was gloriously set free by God's power. I got you a hat, a transformer hat. And he said, I know this is the last day you'll be here, but I can't, would you join us in the party with my boy? I said, give me that hat. Give me that hat. I don't care about the program. Forget it. Give me that hat. Well, that's not right. Put it on. We danced and we shouted and we blowed the little horns because the prodigal had come home. If it was your son, would you have been glad for a Would you have put a hat on at that moment? Now listen, that's another little deal I wasn't going to go into, but there it is. In fact, let me show you a picture. How would it look? Some of you have got, right now, your children are at a distance, and you long for them to come home. You long for some of the empty pews to be your child sitting on them. There it is. The prodigal has come home. What a picture. Show it up closer, would you? Look at the next picture. There it is. The prodigal. I will arise and go to my father, and I'll leave. Notice two hands. 
The father holds him to keep him from falling. With two arms, he grabs him and buries his heart in his so he will not doubt. That's the power of God's embrace. Listen. All the way through. Now let me skip over all this stuff here. It's hot, but I ain't skipping. You're gone. Let's look at the final story, and I'm closed. I want to show you about a story and somebody that went the distance. Let's look at it together. In Mark, uh, verse 40, if you'll show that. Now a leper came to him, came to Jesus. Let's look at it together. Imploring him, begging him, kneeling down to him. Say, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Now let's focus. Stay right there on that one scripture. What do we have to see out of that? His, the Bible, another version says, there was a, a man full, full of leprosy. You know, there's people that are just going through problems. They're full of those problems. They don't have any room for anything but the problem. Leprosy had eaten all of him that it could eat. He had for a long standing time lived in that pain. Some of you have been going through some heartache for a long time. He was full of that. There's only when you're full of your pain, there's still a space for one named Jesus. Listen to me. A man with leprosy. His entire body was diseased. Notice something else. It doesn't even give us the man's name. We don't even know his name. Listen to me. His identity, listen to me, and his potential of what he could become was swallowed up in what he was going through. I found out that long-standing pains we could have missed Kingwood if I'd have got swallowed up in what I was going through instead of going to the man who already took care of what I was going through. So now look at me. Listen to me. He went. If we're not careful, life's confronting issues can so consume us that we'll lose track of who we are and what we've been given. He says an inner voice cried out. No doubt every day. I don't belong in the pecking order of life. I'm here today, but you don't know what I'm going through. There's always a great temptation to over-identify with what you're going through. Don't answer that door in the inner city. That's only Emmett's kids they're begging for bread. Don't answer the door. I've heard that over and over when I was a little kid, longing for something. Void of normal human relationships. Leviticus 13 tells us how you need to do. And sometimes religion will tell you how you need to dress. Not only internally, but externally, you need to play the part. You need to be externally what you are internally. And they say, so keep your hair unkept. Wear a mask. Oh, God.
tear your clothes, live alone outside the camp. And then they said, you got to stay, stay 50 feet away from people. Hey, have we come through something that's not just like that, but sort of? Pastor took a picture. Could you go back to that first picture? There it is. I said, Pastor, take a picture of that. I think that would go along with my. When you go up there, you've seen those, right? Wear a mask. Stay back. Stay back. Jesus has an entirely different message than that right there. He said, come to me. Come to me. I will eliminate you. Just, they said, ring a bell. Ring a bell. If somebody's coming to you or you will need to go through. Say, I'm clean. I'm unclean. I don't belong here. I'm clean. I'm unclean. Stay 50 feet away from me. I want to ask you something. You ever get where you think, I, I need to follow God in a greater way? And a bell rings inside of you and says, No, nah, not you. You're too young. That preacher up there's got all the answers. Let him. And the bell rings. One day the leopard decided. I heard that he was right over there. He's less than 50 feet away. He said, today I'm going to him. Read the next verse. Let's, let's look at that. Verse 40 again. Show it up there. Now the leper came to him imploring him. Notice what he did. Look what he did. The leper got into a worship posture before he got into a quest posture. If we're only coming to God because we want him to do something for us, you're not coming to him for transformational power. You must worship him before he does anything for you. I wondered as a man 25 years and I was a man. I was wondering my own manhood when I'd cry out to God as I'd roll her up into the front of the church. The church grew to several thousand people. Why? It's not about numbers, but why? He decided, bring it back up if you will. Now a leper came imploring, kneeling down 50 feet. He said, oh my God, this is the first time I've ever looked into a person's eyes up close. I think he's looking at me. I think he's looking at me. Nobody else looks at me, but he's looking at me. If you're willing, you make me clean. Notice that. He wasn't denying his ability to heal. He was denying his ability to deserve his healing. Would you be willing to heal somebody like me? Like me? Like me? You don't know what I've done. Do you heal me? Me? Look at the next verse. Then Jesus moved with compassion. Uh-oh. Stretched out his hand. And he what? Wait a minute. He touched him. Before he healed him. That's the first time 
anybody touched him. Jesus, now, he will affirm you before he will set you free. And he said to him, I'm willing, be cleansed. The next verse. Next verse. And soon as he had spoken, immediately, it's gone. The next verse. And he strictly warned him. Oh, here's the part I don't get. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> yeah, really? How many of you would like blab it? Jesus said that to everybody. And everybody he told not to tell it. Everybody told it. I would have. Why didn't he want him to tell him? He wanted you to know. He knew what was going to happen. That he didn't come to pass out miracles first. He came to change your life. And if you thought he was about miracles, that would be all you would want from him is the external. And you wouldn't want him. Show yourself the priest. Next verse. We're done almost. However, he went out and began to blab it and spread it. And Jesus, look at that last part. Jesus could no longer open and enter the city. But was outside In a desert place, Jesus, did the leper really come to Jesus? Or did Jesus go to the leper? They exchanged places. The leper was outside the city. And Jesus took his place. And he could no longer come in the city. But a leper could go now and hug daughters that he hadn't seen in years. In just a few minutes, the pastor's coming. I'm going to ask the men and the young men, not just fathers, but the young men and the men. God told me that there will be no lasting revival until the men of God go the distance with God. Men of God! The pitiful scripture that I read when Eve, that apple, she was listening to the enemy and you say it was Eve that did that she but the, the Bible says that Adam was with her but he was silent there's nothing my wife is the spiritual leader of my home if I hear that one more time I'm going to throw up I asked them pastor if you'll come then after they come I'm going to invite the men to come I just simply want to have a prayer and I want you to sing that song. God bless you, my friend. Come, Pastor. If I could just get our men to come, would you just come to the front? We just want to pray over all of you. We want to bless you this morning. Would you just come stand around just for a moment? Just for a moment. Just come stand around the front just for a moment. We just want to pray over you. Young men, college age, single, it doesn't matter. We just want to just take a moment just praying over you guys, blessing you guys, thanking you for what you do for your families, for the church. We're just going to have a moment of worship, then we'll, then we'll dismiss this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for all of our men. I pray for young men this morning. Young men, single young men. Lord, I thank you for them. 
Lord, I pray that they'll have a heart for you. Lord, I pray, Lord, that very early, Lord, you'll form their hearts. They'll have a deep passion for you, Lord. I pray over our young men, Lord, in the midst of a culture that moves another way. Lord, I pray, God, that they'll be men of God. Lord, filled with your spirit. Lord, I pray over our young men. Lead them in the right vocation, Lord. Lead them to the right relationships. But, Lord, lead them in your power and your presence, Lord. I pray for every husband that is here today. God, I pray. God, I pray that we would be the spiritual lead of our home. Lord, we would treat our wives with tenderness and care. Lord, I pray over them today. Lord, I pray over our fathers I pray over our fathers, Lord. I pray for wisdom. God, I pray for guidance, Lord, as they lead. I pray for your blessing upon them. With sons and daughters, I pray for wisdom, Lord. I pray for all of those in their vocation, Lord, those that are, as they work, Lord, I pray that you would uh, strengthen the work of their hands, that they may provide for their homes, Lord, that they may uh, support the church, Lord. I pray. I pray for those that are, uh, that are widowed this morning, Lord, or divorced. Lord, I pray the touch of God upon the lives of our men who are standing in that, in that position today. Lord, I thank you for all of our men and our young men. God, I pray that you'd do something powerful in our personal lives, Lord, as we commit ourselves to you today, Lord, as we commit ourselves to you today. Brent, lead that song this morning. Men, let's just take a moment of worship. Can we do that together? Let's just praise Him. Come on, let's praise Him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.